Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to season two of the Pop Out Night Comics Lounge, where I have with me voice actress Tara Sands, who has appeared in Pokemon as Bulbasaur, as well as Richie and various other trainers and Pokemon. So thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Obviously, Pokemon is huge. Now, you were the voice of Bulbasaur. How did you initially get involved in Pokemon? It's like the 20th anniversary, so it's kind of crazy to be talking about this 20 years later. But it was just one of the random auditions I went on, and... The first episode I did, I was playing a girl named Melanie. That was pretty straightforward. It was pretty similar to my own voice. And while I was there, they said, hey, can you try to be this little blue and green creature who only says his own name? And I said, I guess so. Just saying, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I can do that. I don't want to be fired. And they played me the Japanese. So they just said, sound like the Japanese, but say Bulbasaur. So that's what I did. And luckily, they were okay with it. So I was very lucky to get that job. Obviously, going into Pokemon, did you have any background on Bulbasaur? No. We knew very little because we couldn't stream episodes and things like we do now. So most of us on the show heard that this was a cartoon in Japan that was giving kids seizures. That was kind of the extent of our knowledge. And because I was just going and doing small parts, I was really out of the loop. Obviously, after a couple episodes, we started getting the gist of it. And we had great directors who guided me. But it took us a while before we were like, this is it. So they all just say their own name. So... We still have to inflect and act because they do have emotions and their relationships with the trainers were pretty important. People say sometimes, did you have to go in for all the recording sessions? And I say, yeah, because they were always reacting differently. You would say it differently if they were happy or sad or encouraging. So luckily they did need us to come back. And obviously there's a lot going on with Bulbasaur. He's one of the original starters. (laughs) When did you become aware that he was a starter Pokemon in the game? And how did that affect the anime once you found that out? It didn't necessarily affect my performance or anything like that. It was a while before the show aired and when I was recording. So until I started meeting kids who were playing the game and my little cousins, I would meet little kids who were running around doing the voices. And I was like, wait, wait, that's me. But a lot of the time they didn't understand what that meant. So then I was like, this is a big deal. And then by the time we got to the first movie, we all knew we were part of something really special. But when you were just working in the booth for the months or year before it aired, you were just kind of in a bubble. You don't know that this thing is going to be enormous. Like I said, be talking about it 20 years later. That's pretty crazy. And you voiced a few different Bulbasaurs over the course of Pokemon. There's one episode where there's five or six Bulbasaurs. <laughs> there were never too many. Like I did Clefairy and there was one episode where there were hundreds of them, which was fine because that's actually an easy voice for me to do. So that didn't hurt me. But Bulbasaur totally scratched up my throat. I would dread when there were a lot of Bulbasaurs. I don't know what the plural would be. But we all ended up doing so many different characters over those first eight seasons. So there were a mishmash to me. Bulbasaur, there were never more than, like you said, probably five or six. And now two Bulbasaurs that stand out is that you were Ash's Bulbasaur, which is the main Bulbasaur that many people know you as. And mm-hmm. you're also Maze Bulbasaur. Yes. How do you differ the two? Well, vocally, they're the same. It would have been in their relationships that you would have sensed a difference. Bulbasaur, number one, had a very specific relationship with Ash. They could tease each other. They knew each other really well. I don't specifically remember details of their relationship with May, but I'm sure that informed however I inflected or did the voice for that because it's just different. Whatever kind of trainer she is would affect that. And you mentioned you've done a lot of voices in Pokemon, and one of them was Rich. 
Archie. How did that come about? Again, it was just another audition. Some of the roles were just assigned to us. That was one I believe I actually had to audition for because I finally counted up. I did over 50 roles over the first eight seasons. So a lot of those were just assignments. I was in the booth. They're like, oh, do this. But certain ones like Richie, I'm pretty sure I auditioned for. And the trick of that was to sound the same age as Ash, Veronica Taylor, as I could, but sound different and create that relationship and rivalry between them. So that was really fun because I got to sink my teeth into something that that lasted over a lot of episodes as opposed to the smaller roles that just kind of came and went. Now, obviously, Richie beats Ash in the anime. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. everybody. Wasn't up to me. And you kind of got a shot at redemption a little bit in Pokemon Chronicles where he was more favorable. It's always fun when you can go back to a character. That was probably close in time. I just worked on Yu-Gi-Oh! again after many, many years. So coming back to a character is one of the most fun things you can do. But Richie, it was pretty close in the time frame. So it was just like being with an old friend and then figuring out, okay, where is he at now? What has he gone through since the last time we saw him? And using that to inform whatever character choices you make. I think that whole thing with Ash, meeting Ash in general, was for both of them this life-changing thing. I wish we could see them hang out again. Veronica Taylor is Ash Ketchum. How did her voice impact how you voiced Richie? Being in the booth is a very isolating job. Yeah. For the first few episodes, I believe she recorded first. So there were definitely takes where they said, oh no, you sound too much like her. Pitch it up or pitch it down. But we're in the same vocal space because they're young boys before their voices change. And they're both a little bit raspy. So they live in that same vocal place. It was really just the director's job to keep us sounding as separate as possible. And our attitudes were different. I think Richie was pretty confident. So attitude does a lot to inform your voice choices. 50 roles in Pokemon is a lot. And some of the major ones were Chrissy from Mm -hmm. the Orange League. Professor Oak. Young Professor Oak. Oak. Young Sammy Oak. Who knew? Well, I always feel bad when little kids don't realize that girls are doing the boy voices. Because sometimes they don't like that. They don't like to find that out. Like older people are fine with that, obviously. I sometimes don't even want kids to know because it ruins this illusion for them. Sometimes I don't break that out right away. But Sammy Oak was awesome. Marissa was super cute. A lot of them just had a couple lines. So it's hard to remember the distinct personalities of each. But they kept us busy. And you were also the lead in several movies. One of them being Destiny Deoxys, Tori, Bianca from Pokemon Heroes, Latios and Latias. I love that people still ask me about that ending. And I love that people debate and no one will ever really know who kissed Ash. We'll never know. What is it like being in a Pokemon movie and being the lead versus being in the television series? The work is the same. Whenever we were doing the films, we recorded at a different studio. So I think that reminded us that because this was going to play on such a big screen, it definitely informed it. And not that the TV show studios were bad by any means, but we would go to fancier places to do the movies. And you just felt like, oh, yeah, this is a movie now. How cool. And the first movie movie screening we went to was in New York at the Ziegfeld Theater, which is closed now, but was like a big, big deal theater in New York City that I never thought I'd have a film play there. So for the only film I ever had play there to be Pokemon was the most exciting thing ever. And we all just looked at each other like we're never going to have an experience like this again. But I do believe the acting work, and I'm sure Veronica would say this too, didn't really differ from the movies and the TV show, except that you had a longer story arc in the movie. It wasn't just a 23 minute story arc. You had an hour and a half story arc. And do you feel that in the movies you got a little bit more freedom story-wise as well as with your characters where you didn't have to follow a season? Not necessarily because your storyline is still your storyline and we're still so locked into the lip flap. Fortunately and unfortunately, there's a limit to our creativity. Sometimes being so confined to the lip flap 
ends up making you more creative in certain ways. But text-wise and script-wise, there's still a limit to what we can do. We still are pretty locked into that. Once we're in our characters, they did let us play a little bit. If Once we got used to what they would say and do, sometimes we'd say, oh, they would contract this word, and can we say this? It will still fit. And so in the film, I guess because it was longer, we would have more freedom to do that. The way we work was still pretty much the same. And now to talk about some of your Pokemon roles, which is what a lot of people want to know about. Besides Bulbasaur, you were so many Pokemon. A few. Some of them I'm not even sure about, to be totally honest. Like, I'll listen to it. I'll be like, I think that's me, but I'm not sure. So were some of these roles assigned and then were some of them you auditioned for, such as Wurmple, Fanfy, Teddy Ursa? I don't think I auditioned for any of them. They would test you out on them when you were in the studio. Because we were trying to stick to sounding like the Japanese, they would say, hey, let's hear you do this. So it wasn't like a formal audition of any means. It was, you're here and you might be able to do this. Let's try it. So something like Wurmple, I wish I could remember what the Japanese sounded like, but I would assume it sounded pretty much like Wormple, whatever it ended up being. And then another one, which was probably one of the coolest ones, is Clefairy. I like Clefairy. And Clefable. That was one of the only ones I got to do the evolved form of. And the coolest thing, and I don't know if many people know about this, is that you did the voice for Super Smash Bros. and Super Smash Bros. Meatly. What was that like, being in that video game? So the games were just different too, because you were mostly just doing reacts. There wasn't the same kind of script as there would be with an episode. So a lot of the times with the game, it's a lot easier, because all I would do is just go in and do the voice for a while without having to worry about context. Okay, getting attacked. Okay, hitting. It was more like during a battle in the show. The games were their own thing. Super Smash Bros. is just an awesome game and it's one of those iconic games. And to be a part of that, what was that like for you personally? I was just so excited to do anything that my little cousins thought was cool. They didn't think I was cool at that point. And then I was like, oh, but I'm working on Pokemon. If they got excited, I felt cooler. And how cool to be talking about it so much later and I'm so proud to have been even a tiny little part of those games and that legacy and Pokemon in general. You worked on several Pokemon video games. What is it like to be the Pokemon and to be the character in the anime and be the character in the video game? It depends on what kind of voice you're doing, but it's louder. You know you're going to be fighting with the sounds of the game and things like that, so you're definitely projecting more and using your voice, and I remember losing my voice on some of the games. Bulbasaur was just a hard character to do vocally for me, but it wasn't a script, so I sort of had a little bit of freedom in that way and I and now Pokemon's a huge franchise and there's been several toys your voice has been in some of those <laughs> toys yeah I would find them randomly I remember I was on vacation and I found my voice in a toy that I definitely had not been paid for so it was good and bad. There was a little bit of, of good and bad with that. But it's still cool to hear your voice in a toy. Who's going to complain about that? Pokemon's been around for 20 plus years and so much has happened between Pokemon Go, games, the anime. And it's been around for so long and it's touched so many generations. And now people from my generation are now showing it to the next generation. How do you feel as a voice actress that you are still touching so many people with a voice that you did almost 20 years ago. It's so cool. I just started doing conventions and I didn't really realize actually the impact this had until I started meeting fans of the show. And I think it was the last one I was at, a girl stood up, she said, I want to sing the Pokemon theme song. And she started singing it and everyone joined in. A girl in the front row was crying. It was the most interesting, communal, lovely thing. Just hearing that song triggered these emotions for people and how cool to be a part of that and to have been in their living rooms with them and a lot of them said like you were my babysitter the tv pokemon babysat me so to have been in their lives is so neat 
in ways that obviously I didn't know I was. So I just feel really lucky to have been part of that. And now outside of Pokemon, I just want to touch on this a little bit, is that you've been in other franchises such as Yu-Gi-Oh!, Rex Generator, Digimon Try, and Slayer Try. How do you feel that Pokemon really helped to get you started and to help prepare you for these other roles? I was really lucky. Pokemon was the first anime job I ever had. So how lucky is that? That was very cool. Then you sort of had a little bit more credibility once you were working on that. So things like Slayers, we recorded around that same time. I just started doing Digimon less than a year ago. So that was really cool to have worked on both of those because now that they jumped ahead in time, I had always thought the shows were so similar, but now I'm really seeing the differences between them and they're two cool franchises to be a part of. Going back to Yu-Gi-Oh! was awesome because I had missed that show so much. I'm very lucky. I've gotten to work on some very cool things. And you've also done a lot of American cartoons. What is the mm-hmm. major difference between anime and American cartoons? The big difference is that you're not worried about the lip flap and matching a certain time. So you have way more freedom to be an actor. You're free to improvise on your lines. You're free to throw in little jokes or breaths or asides for new cartoons. With the anime we're really locked into the flaps which is good and bad sometimes that breeds creativity sometimes you're like but I really need to say this and there is no time to say it so that does get frustrating so with the new cartoons the freedom is really nice and now I know we only touched on a small small section of your career what you've done but do you have a favorite role that you've done so far in your career well that would be unfair to the other roles but you mentioned Generator Rex I loved playing Cersei because I thought she was a really cool character Character. I loved her relationships and they really gave her a cool backstory with her family and things like that. I worked with some amazing actors too. The difference really is that for shows like that, we get to record together. For anime, we work alone for the most part. So for Generator Rex, I would be in the booth with John DiMaggio and Gray Delisle and Daryl Sabara and Mark Hamill was there one day and Troy Baker. So for a show like that, I feel like when you're reading with a group, you become better because you're working off of them and those guys are so good that it challenged me and hopefully I raised my game. And now my favorite question that I ask every voice actor, what advice do you have for people who want to get involved? in the industry? Well, it's very different than when I started because you can be discovered now a variety of ways, except for anime, which you kind of need to be near a recording studio. You can do voiceovers really from anywhere in the world. When I started doing it, you had to live in a big city to get started. The first thing I tell people is Google how to get into voiceover and you'll find good advice that is better than anything I could tell you. It's just that simple. When I looked into getting into different areas of the industry, that's where I started. This is legitimately the best way to do it. Aaron Fitzgerald wrote a great book. There's some great websites that really teach you how to get started and build a a home studio that's not going to make you poor. And you really have a million different ways to get into the industry now, whereas before you had to live in a big city and actually go to the auditions. Now you can audition from your closet on a USB mic. So it's very different. And if it's something somebody really wants to do, it's just persistence and research and learning the craft more than anything. And I would say take acting classes. That's the first step. And then finally, do you have anything you'd (laughs) like to promote Facebook, Twitter, website, con appearances? My website will have, if you go to tarasands.com, I'll have all my upcoming convention appearances there. Twitter and Instagram. Tara Sands LA. Facebook is just Tara Sands, Tara Sands. And I do have a bunch of convention appearances. And we do Pokemon trivia at those. I'll be in Portland, Maine this year. Little Rock, Arkansas. I'll be around. So definitely come. You could win fabulous prizes.
As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode, and you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcast. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics for all updates regarding this podcast. Till next week, everybody have a wonderful week.